Hello and welcome back, guys. Thank you for tuning in to our first episode of having our first guest. With video. With video, yeah, <laughs> with video. So we're super excited. Uh, yeah, Ricardo, want to take it on? Yeah, so today we have the pleasure of interviewing Edgar Yanez. He was a close friend of mine while attending Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, coming up all the way from National City, San Diego, California. <laughs> and he's currently a turbo machinery manufacturing engineer at Blue Origin in Seattle. And I don't know if you saw our uh, Instagram uh, post and yes. our first uh, the picture of him, but actually his first time traveling outside of California was to go check out his new job. So how was that? Like, tell us a little bit about that. Um, so just the first time experience or... Just, in or just, introduce, just introduce yourself, I guess. Um, okay, well, I mean, hey, we guys. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Edgar. Uh, like Ricardo was saying, uh, we attended Cal Poly together, uh, made a really good bond uh, and really close friendship. So consider him one of my very close uh, and hopefully lifelong friends from, you know, uh, this point forward. Um, and Esther as well, you know, she uh, I met her in uh, Cal Poly through Ricardo. So she became a really good friend. Hmm. And, um, you know, we're here for... You know, the first very podcast, I'm pretty honored for you guys choosing me. So um, in terms of your question, uh, yeah, it was my first time actually getting on an airplane. It's kind of funny, right? My degree is aerospace and I've never been on an airplane. So um, <laughs> it was very, very surreal. Uh, the company was nice enough where um, I was in kind of like the later stages of the interviews and I had already accepted the position. So they decided to fly me out for like about a week. Uh, just to check out pretty much the area. Um, I got pretty much uh, chaperoned pretty much by a, uh, a real estate, a real estate agent, I guess, who was going to find me an apartment, a townhouse, a condo, home, pretty much anything of my choice. Um, and it was pretty cool because I, everything was paid for, essentially. Um, the only thing I had to really provide was uh, just the place where I wanted to be or go, like the hotel, pick the hotel and pick a car which is they they provided as well so um when i arrived it was totally different from san diego obviously in san luis obispo california super sunshine state so um over here it was i guess i got here in the right time because it was still very very similar to san diego and in, in terms of the weather but um there was a couple random times where it started raining so i'm like oh you know i haven't seen rain in forever so it was a little surprising and then uh my very first day here uh, I didn't realize the geography, so it was not getting, um, the sunset wasn't setting until like 11, and I was like, you know, up and awake, and I'm like, what's going on, and then by the time I realized that, I felt super tired, looked down, and it's like 10.30, and I'm like, why is the sun still outside, and I guess uh, the sunset's super, super late, uh, the northern you go up in the hemisphere, which, you know, didn't occur to me, because I don't really travel too much, and that was pretty, pretty amazing, so it was kind of cool. Yeah, that was kind of my first experience, uh, just landing and, and meeting people or, you know, just uh, landing in Seattle pretty much. That's cool. <clears throat> yeah, we actually went up there for a little, for probably like three or four days and it was definitely a lot greener. <laughs> than yeah. We're used to. Yeah, but it rained the first day we got there. Yeah. yeah. It was like on and off throughout the time we were there. I didn't that's, like it, but props that's, to you. <laughs> that's one, one thing that's super different, and like you just mentioned, it's the trees. So literally, I go outside, and I have like a forest pretty much. And, uh, you know, I'm so used to uh, 
being in like an apartment or living in a trailer where uh, we don't have too much land, I guess, or space. So you see your neighbor, you know, you, you can hear them because, you know, they live right on top of you and stuff. But it's kind of mm -hmm. refreshing over here where it's kind of more nature, -y, a lot, a lot more greener, like you said. Yeah, so you mentioned, you know, going on an airplane for the first time, being an aerospace engineer is kind of like ironic. Was this your dream job when you were a kid, like to be an aerospace engineer or how did you get so, to this? Path? It's funny you mentioned that because I, I reflect on that a lot and I feel like, you know, thinking about it, it came kind of full circle. I never really even knew what an engineer was because my parents come from a, a very poor background. I'm like first generation immigrant. They were literally uh, illegal, you know, when they came through, they were the first ones to come. So my, they pretty much quit school when I was born, um, just, I believe, to provide for me, I guess, become parents. Um, my dad worked construction, uh, but before he did that, he he did a lot of, uh, you know, uh, dishwashing kind of stuff on the side, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. So... Just like the whole experience, it was it was totally different. I like I said, I didn't know I wanted even what an engineer was. My parents didn't really influence me in that regard because they were just there to make it. You know, they were hardworking, and they're just that's kind of the values they instilled in me. Just like work hard, work hard. And uh, well, one thing my mom did for me is she enrolled me in a lot of programs. Like when I was younger, uh, like music and just uh, physical activity classes and stuff like that, karate, different things that I think stimulated me more and kind of gave me a lot of curiosity when I was growing up. So um, <clears throat> I remember when I was a little kid, I'd always say like, I want to become an astronaut. You know, I want to become an astronaut. I don't know why, I just thought it was super cool. And, um, you know, as I got older, uh, I was always really good at math. You know, I played a, a violin and uh, teaches you how to listen to pitch and different frequencies, things you don't know that is kind of related to science. It also teaches you how to count and, you know, divide by fractions and stuff. So all that stuff kind of towards my end of my career kind of culminated into this, like, oh, you know, I wanted to become a math teacher when I graduated from high school. That was my initial goal. I'm just good at math. It just becomes something kind of basic. But then when I started going to college, that's when I was like, you know what? I'm into science. You know, it's more than just math. So what can I become? And then I'm like, oh, well. That's when I heard the term engineer. And then I'm like, well, what the heck is an engineer? And then I'm like, oh, it's a person who uses math, applies it, and creates things, you know? And I'm like, oh, you know, I like to take things apart ever since I was little, you know, play with Legos. Growing up, I started doing mechanic work and stuff like that on my own car. So I just like to th take things apart, put them back together. So then that's when I started, you know, realizing I'm like, oh, look, what is this engineering degree or uh, career? And I started with civil engineering because all my friends in the in the field were like, let's become civil engineers. I'm like, yeah, sure, dude. I don't know what it is, but it sounds kind of cool. I want to become an engineer. And the more I looked into it, um, you know, not a knock on civil engineers or nothing, but I was like, stuff Watch is just kind of stationary. <laughs> it doesn't move, you know. Um, <laughs> it's a highway or it's a building. I don't know. It doesn't. I, I, I kind of like moving parts. That's when I came across mechanical engineering. And, um, you know, I just going, was going for that. That was my main goal. And before I decided to transfer, the reason I picked aerospace, no lie, was because um, I was comparing uh, salary wages. And I saw a big old pay discrepancy between, like, aerospace and mechanical. And I was like, wait, what's the difference in classes? I looked at the class curriculum. It was literally one extra class. The class was introduction to engineering. 
And I'm like, well, if I'm going to take an introduction to engineering and they're going to pay me 30K more to start my first career job, let me become an aerospace engineer. And I, I did not have a clue what the heck an aerospace engineer was um, until I looked it up. And then I'm like, oh, you know what? They make jets, uh, rockets, uh, bombs, uh, so, you know, a lot of crazy stuff. So it, that, that's why I decided to go with aerospace. And again, once I kind of just graduated and looked back, I'm like, well, I might not be an astronaut, but I'm kind of helping them become astronauts and get up to space. So pretty close, close enough. And you never, you know, you can never say never. Maybe I will become an astronaut, uh, apply for NASA or something. You never know. Yeah, it was fun. I think, you know, similar to you, I didn't really know what, like, entailed aerospace. And I'm sure you can agree with me. When we got to Cal Poly, we didn't realize it was pretty different than the mechanical track. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Super so, challenging, man. For a while, I thought I was in a computer, ma uh, computer science degree major due to with all the programming we did, so. Yeah, it's, it's, it was super helpful. So yeah. um, I wanted to say, like, I, I don't know how long you spent at a, a community college. I know I spent several years, probably spent like six, seven years at a community college, you know, trying to find my my way there. And over the time, I had to, you know, uh, work part time and full times in some occasions. Had, and I know uh, going back to Cal Poly, I know you were working at, um, at Home Depot. And how did you balance like having to work a job and trying to go to school and how did you overcome that? Um, well, to be honest, man, you just have to be real, real honest with yourself. Um, for, for a while, dude, like I initially right out of high school, I went to uh, community college, right? But, you know, I was kind of still in party mode and, you know, messed up my first year, <laughs> got on probation and decided to drop out because I was like, you know what? This isn't a life. It's about money. You know, you graduate, become 18-year-old, you get your first job and start collecting some paychecks, and that's, you know, what you think it is. So I decided to focus on that. So I actually dropped out out of my first year, and I was, what, 19? And I was thinking, okay, this whole next year, I'm just going to focus on working, working, working. I'm going to make a lot of money. Uh, fortunately, it was 2008, and I think uh, the recession hit. And the whole plan of me having that extra money never happened. You know, I ended up just having like part-time jobs. Um, and then when I turned 21, it was, you know, probably like a year and a half after I realized like, well, this whole plan of me making money ain't making me money. So the only real thing I can do is go back to school. Um, I got to get my stuff together, you know, and uh, not be like my first time. If I'm really going to commit to this, uh, I have to start doing it. But what was really difficult was uh, since I had dropped out and they had put me in probation, which I would not advise, you know, if you're going to go to school right after you go to high school, really focus on it. Try to stay off probation. Uh, just go to school and really put it first, because what made it difficult for me is I ended up staying in community college, probably close to what Ricardo said, around six or seven years, because, you know, I went back to school when I was 21 um, and I didn't get to Cal Poly till I was... 27 28 so six seven years and um what really screwed me up was me being on probation went back to school they told me hey guy uh you're coming back congratulations whoop whoop de doo but unfortunately you already screwed us up once we don't really trust you we're only gonna let you take one class at a time or two classes at a time and if you really think about it you take one class and if you're in a semester system you're gonna waste 
three unit semester or four unit semester, maybe five unit if you take a math class, that's five unit class or something like that for six months. And if you're trying to transfer and graduate and do all this stuff, you need to take at least 15 units, you know, for, you know, two, two years, three years consecutively to really reach your goals. So imagine that six months and you're taking a five unit class maximum, you're not going to make it. So my first two or three years in community college was a struggle because I kind of had to redeem myself in a sense, you know, bring my grades back up, um, make up the classes I got an F on or a D or withdrew or whatever, get my GPA back up. And then when, even then when I got into my, you know, made up my classes, uh, I was always on the bottom of the list because I was not involved in any science programs or anything like that, or METCHA or, um, <clears throat> you know, pretty much uh, anything that can, uh, you know, any clubs that involve you with, you know, uh, science classes or engineering classes, I wasn't in the list. So I, I got involved more in school because, you know, as I started getting more classes, I started figuring out like, hey, who do I have to talk to to get out of here? Because I'm not trying to be here 10 years. I'm trying to get out of here. I kind of know what I want to do. So I started talking to professors, fellow classmates, which to this day is pretty cool. I still actually have a lot of good friends from community college who actually, uh, some of them actually know some of our classmates. They work with each other. You know, they work with uh, Trenton um, <laughs> in the aerospace field. And, you know, I have them on like Facebook and all this stuff, which is really, really cool. I've known them since, since my high school as well. So it's, it's really cool and refreshing to see people that you grew up with, like make it and that you still communicate with, which is which is badass. But uh, again, um, you know, once I got more involved and started talking to more friends, um, uh, I got more advice. They told me, join this club or join this this program. Um, it's going to actually put you on the priority list. And once I did that, literally every semester, I would get dibs on all the science classes and all the math classes. I was, so I was on the priority list to get calc level two, physics level two. So I would always sign up before anyone and then I was able to get my units. And before you knew it, when I was actually super involved in school, um, you know, I was getting 15 units every semester and I was able to finally catch up and, you know, take take so many classes that by the time I hit uh, Cal Poly, I, you know, was usually always ahead of the curve in terms of my status to graduate, which was really good. And then I have to pay as much, you know, for the units at Cal Poly since they transferred over. So I have a question. Um, I guess uh, you mentioned that you were failing some classes at community college and you eventually dropped out, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, you could take a W if, or if you don't, um, then you have to take an F, I guess, if you don't withdraw within time. Mm -hmm. What advice can you give to people that were like in that similar situation that you were in? Um, people that, I guess, lost motivation and like, you know, after so many attempts, they still can't pass certain classes or um, have uh, just... to be like, like I said kind of earlier, is just be honest with yourself. Just really kind of reflect on what you really want to do. Because, um, you know, we have all the time in the world and you can always say like with, with me, you know, especially like, hey, it's never too late. But at the same time, the sooner you do it and the sooner you have a goal and, uh, you know, you can focus on it and really narrow it down, uh, the better it is. Um, when I was failing, it was in part, I would, I could say, you know, like what I, where I think I really succeeded a little bit more was in shorter term classes. So, because 
not to say maybe I do have some kind of ADHD or folk, you know, some hyperactivity dis disorder where I can't focus for too long or something. But I felt like in semester classes, I would always excel. But, you know, after that 10 week period or something or, you know, that 11 week mark when there were 16 weeks or 18 week periods, uh, it's like, oh, man, I, I'm, I'm worn out. But, you know, whenever I took fast track classes, uh, they just eight weeks or 10 weeks and they were in and out and I felt like I succeeded more. They were obviously a lot more heavy. But um, like I said, it was just like you went in and out. That's kind of how I felt. Uh, obviously, it's kind of per, per preference, I would say, if you're your student. But um, that's kind of maybe something you could look at as well. Because if, if you feel like semester system might drag a little too long with the 16-week system or something, maybe a quarter system university might work. And I, that's kind of what I liked as well about uh, Cal Poly, where, you know, for 10 weeks, you're kind of getting your, your butt kicked. But... Uh, you know, you were able to get a lot of stuff done and you were just like, at the end of it, you're like, wow, I accomplished so much, you know, it was pretty crazy, so. And um, and the other thing, I kind of missed this previously, Ricardo, I meant to say like with work and stuff, how to balance it is um, just be honest in terms of, you need money, you know, especially coming from our background. But um, I would say, Get financial aid if you can. Obviously, you know, be be responsible with how much you get and how much you feel comfortable with getting. But if you're going to be in, like, a you know, career when you finish, you don't worry about it. That's what one professor told me before I transferred. He's like, just get the money, dude. Don't worry about it because you'll pay it back. You know, you, I know it's a lot. I know you don't come from, you know, wealth or you don't have a lot of cash or you've never seen this amount of money. But don't be scared. Sometimes it's about taking a risk. You know, you have to take a... a quote unquote, a leap of faith. You know, you have to jump over the cliff before going looking down because you might think you're not gonna make it, but you have the strength to make it. When you come from a tough background, you know, you fought this hard to reach where you're at. Um, so always be honest with yourself. Um, I was, there was always a lot of times where I would always work, uh, you know, like I said, I was actually working for Home Depot for 12 years, my whole career essentially from community college up to Cal Poly, even after I graduated from Cal Poly, I was still working with them for an extra year while I was still looking for another job in my field. So um, uh, you have to be honest with your managers, you know, be straight out with them. And if you're about school, you tell them like, hey, dude, my focus is school. I'm here to be a good worker and, you know, help you guys in your company or whatever you work in, you know, be a hard worker as well. Show them that you, you know, you appreciate them and, in turn, what happened with me, I felt like a lot of my coworkers uh, really respected me. And whenever I needed something off or whenever I needed to change my schedule or whenever I needed only work 20 hours a semester, they would say, okay, you can only work 20 hours. Okay, you only want to work on the weekends? Okay. So, you know, build bonds, build friendships with classmates, with coworkers, uh, family. Um, and <clears throat> it's an invaluable thing, especially with us, because, you know, we don't have a lot of... Uh, wealth especially of your first generation so our wealth is our friendships that's what i would say you know it's not about monetary stuff you know a lot of people have that upper leg because they've their family's been lawyers for generations they've been engineers for forever maybe your parents are first generation engineer you know they're you're going to be a second generation engineer but again for us i don't know i feel like uh, a lot of my friendships a lot of my family a lot of my just co-workers and people I met along my time really, really helped me out as well. Yeah, that's a great point saying um, 
our wealth is our friendships and i definitely felt wealthy while at cal poly there is oh, i think we made a ton of good bonds ton of good friends there you know working through those late nights uh <laughs> I know one thing that really that like sticks to my mind was I just couldn't get this code to work. I think you remember. I think you know what they were talking about. <laughs> were and you like, with four fucking computers? And just oh. different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was that was probably like one of my favorite memories. Like I swear we did we all worked on that code and like mine for some reason couldn't run. So yeah. Like, yeah, I had like four computers, <laughs> yeah. four computers in front of me, line by line by line, looking for where the difference was. Um, what's, what's funny, dude, is uh, I, again, <laughs> not to say it's like fate or nothing, dude, but I was actually thinking about that memory about like maybe last week, dude, or, or a week ago, or two weeks ago. You know, I'm like that one time, freaking Ricardo was over here with four laptops, we couldn't figure out the code. He's <laughs> borrowing everyone, so yeah, man, I struggle, you know, but uh, that's what makes you tough. Yeah, do you feel like that's also, like, shaped the way you approach, like, life and school in general is just from your past experiences? Uh, but like, yeah, man, definitely, dude. Like like I said, dude, I, you know, you're sometimes when you're young and you're naive, you make a dumb choice like me thinking, like, oh, let's go for money, you know, we're going to work and it's all going to work out because this is what you see on TV or, you know, this is what you're kind of used to. You know, you don't even have a role model. You've never seen someone in your family graduate from high school or go to college or anything like that. So you don't really have anyone as a mentor. So you just think that, oh, well, you know, sometimes uh, this is, I guess you could say it's a generational curse where you think, you know, like, oh, my life is just to have kids or, you know, not even that, just to work. And it's like, well, maybe there's more to you, but because there's sometimes no mentorship in your family or, you know, your first generation or you know maybe sometimes people don't even have any role models um they just they quit on themselves but again it's it's being about being honest with yourself what you really want for yourself in your in life and um just always always ask that and uh, if they're ever unsure just uh maybe take a step back you know take a deep breath and <clears throat> take a look at the bigger picture instead of just fo- uh, everything you focus on because it's always sometimes that just to always just focus and focus and focus and you're unaware of your surroundings so you know always take a step back and a deep breath and catch up yeah how did you um as a recent grad going into um, the industry how did you go about like you know like being new to the environment and to your job um so how did you go um so for a while, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to blame these guys. <laughs> a lot of pressure, not Ricardo, especially because he actually stayed in school, but all these other guys, you know, um, like I said, I was, I've been working for Home Depot for 12 years. So, you know, it was kind of my job. I finally, when I graduated, become, you know, full time because I was not doing anything else. I'm like, you know, now I can work full time. So working 40 hour shifts and overtime and stuff like that. But um, I felt a lot of pressure from these guys because we have a discord group channel that we talk through that's how we kind of communicate for the most part unless you know we call each other or text each other directly but um you know for the most part these guys are like hey man i already got a job hey man where when are you gonna get a job hey dude what's going on with your job and i'm like bro i'm looking i'm applying every day you guys don't have to keep reminding me every goddamn day that uh, i don't have a job because you know it's a little demoralizing it's really good for your friends because you feel happy for them but um 
you know, like at the same time, it's like uh, you don't have to keep putting a lot of pressure on your friends, which is why I kind of sometimes stay away, but not stay away from you guys, but um, don't like to question a lot of your, your guys' stuff unless you guys open up about it. Like if you guys bring up some of your guys' issues, then it's because you feel comfortable about it, you know? But if you're not really talking about you not having a job, it's like, well, I'm not going to ask him about it because I'm assuming, you know, Ricardo or Edgar or, you know, Saul, they're actually all looking for jobs. It's not like we're just sitting on our butt. But um, it was a it was a good struggle for a while simply because um, you apply and then an hour later, a day later, you get a rejection notice and you're like, what the hell, dude? So, you know, it's kind of working my resume every day changing stuff every day because I was like, well, this isn't working. Let me try this. Sometimes I'd apply to the same position with different resumes just to see if I'd get a different response. Um, and for the most part, I was getting denied, denied, denied. So then um, <clears throat> one day after, again, uh, I applied probably to like 200 positions or something, uh, General Dynamics in San Diego, they gave me an interview for uh, an internship. And... Um, <clears throat> I think the first one was just a phone interview uh, and it was pretty short, just general questions, kind of more of like who, who I was, uh, why I kind of applied there, a uh, little bit about my background, where I came from. Um, so they gave me a second interview. Second interview was in person. Second time, you know, I kind of got a little bit uh, cleaned up, put on a you know, dress shirt and everything, a tie, a suit, went in there. And um, when I went in there, I kind of sat in the car probably in like an hour because they actually told me oh study a little bit we're gonna ask you some engineering questions I'm like oh crazy i've never actually had an interview like this you're used to just like one interview and you're get get the position you know but now we're in engineering so i'm like whoa this is professional <laughs> it's kind of cool <laughs> so um, go in there it's a facility they had like key cards had to get buzzed in i'm like whoa this is actually getting legit like you know you can't come in here without getting buzzed in there's security they check you um so met the supervisor, he took me into a room and he just goes, put this thing, you know, on the, on the counter. He's like, how would you model this on uh, SolidWorks? What would you use? And then I guess I was like, whoa, what the hell, dude? Like he just kind of attacked me, right? Like, so um, it was not like a real right or wrong answer. I think it was more of a wanting to get an understanding of how your brain works. And if you have the capacity of, if you can't figure it out, trying to figure it out. Because um, SolidWorks especially, or anything model CAD related, there's a hundred ways to make the same thing. You know, it just depends on how you make it. Sometimes you can make it in, in three features, or sometimes you, if you're a beginner, it'll take you 10 features, depending on how, how much of an expert you are. You know, so I gave him my answer. He was like, okay, man, that's pretty good. And then he kind of came back and he's like, but I would do it like this. And I'm like, oh, that's a better way, man. He's like, you know, it's, uh, he's like, it just comes with time. It's, your answer was not bad at all or anything. It's just, that's how I would do it because I've been doing it so many times. You know, I'm used to making these things. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. So he kind of gave me some immediate feedback. He also got the model and kind of pointed at different things on the actual physical part and told me, what, what do you call this? You know, like. Oh, this is a chamfer or a fillet or a, uh, some uh, different different things, you know. Um, you know, what kind of uh, hole is this? Through hole, threaded hole, uh, you know, whatever whatever different features. Um, and then he asked me a couple of GDNT things like, 
you know, how would you control this feature? You know, how can you identify certain things? So what I would say that's super invaluable is um, uh, GDNT definitely. Uh, every company is super heavy on that, understanding just geometric tolerances. Um, you don't have to be an expert because most of these companies will will pay for uh, like professionals to teach you again in case you forgot or you know you need a refresher. So um, General Dynamics actually offered some courses. If you wanted to enroll, you could take them on the side. Um, so again, it was a pretty, pretty, uh, it was intense, but it wasn't super, super hard. So I, you know, I left, I, you know, kind of felt like, Hey, I could have done better, but I did as good as I could have, you know, so I didn't feel disappointed or nothing, but, um, you know, I, I went home and I think the next Monday, which was us on a Friday, they offered me the internship and I was super ecstatic because, um, you know, I had not gotten any, any, uh, experience before this is going to be a major change. Uh, I had to quit immediately from my job. And again, because I had such a good camaraderie with my manager, I told him like, Hey dude, I'm not coming to work on Monday. Sorry, dude, I have to do this. And then he's like, you know what? This for your career, bro. I'll let you take a leave of absence. So I didn't quit. He actually let me get, take a leave for, um, like seven months. And I was still going to have my job when I came back in case the internship didn't, you know, retain me. Um, so when I got in there, uh, you know, I said, yes, they were paying me a, a lot better money than what I was making at Home Depot, obviously. Obviously, it's not like super engineering money, but, you know, definitely a big upgrade. And um, initially, it was, it, it dep I would say it depends on, on your company that you're with. But the initial experience was it was a little difficult, kind of challenging, because I had to learn pretty much their system they use. And since I had never worked in a company, I had really no clue you know, how, how to use their system. And by system, I mean, uh, their part numbers, how they make track, track all their inventory, um, how to search things. Um, uh, and, uh, like I said, that's kind of what, what took me a while to get used to. And then also, uh, uh, I have not drawn in a while. So like, if you ever, if you have some spare time on your free time, I'd encourage you just use SOLIDWORKS on your spare time, just to model random things, you know, just so you could remember how to use certain features. So, uh, you know, my first week there, I was struggling on SolidWorks a bit because I was like, oh, man, I don't even remember using all these features. Like, how do I do this? How do I do that? But, you know, after, after you know, two or three days, like, everything kind of clicked. And uh, by the second week, I was, you know, doing everything pretty efficiently. I was I was interning as a mechanical design uh, engineer. So pretty much uh, anything with improving the process of manufacturing so with tools so uh, and by tools it's like you know i was thinking i work for home depot when people talk tools i'm thinking a handsaw you know a drill and uh, these guys are like no we make them and i'm like wait we're gonna make our drills and i'm like nah dude by by tools it means like literally like they'll design a a wrench that can only fit at this angle that can take certain torque and you have to design that so that it could fit the part that they're making or, you know, or, or a forming tool, which means, you know, um, something. So like where I worked is, uh, it was pan and tilt cameras where they had motors, but you know, you have your typical motor with pistons and, you know, oil and stuff like that. This literally was used through magnets. So they had magnets and wires on a little circle and they would run a current through it and everything would just spin through magnetism, which was really cool. There was literally no gears and no nothing. And, um, you'd have to make tools to like compress 
the copper, you know, into different shapes. So you design those tools, you, you know, different radiuses, different diameters, different, uh, you know, clearances. So when you put the assemblies together, uh, they wouldn't interfere and they wouldn't damage the parts. If they did, then you'd have to, uh, you know, redesign the tool or, uh, you know, certain, certain times there would be parts that were damaged and you'd have to investigate what was the cause. Sometimes it was the tools. And by that, I mean like wear and tear, you know, the, after pressing so many times, they're made out of aluminum. So sometimes they would get, you know, the damage on them. So you have to replace the tools. So you, again, you have to, um, you know, keep track of all this through their inventory system, through their different uh, computer, whatever they use. And that's kind of was the challenging part. Um, after that, it took me about three months actually to get my job at Blue Origin. So I think what really helped, uh, you know, was having that experience on the resume because as soon as I, uh, unfortunately, you know, they couldn't retain me because it was an internship only. Uh, but luckily, I still had my job. I went straight back to Home Depot, and and uh, like I kept applying everywhere while I was still, you know, interning. And uh, as soon as I uh, got let go in March, within two weeks, Blue Origin sent me an email like, "Hey, we want to give you an interview." Got my interview through the phone. It took about 30 minutes. It was, again, a little bit more um, personal, like who, background. Who are you? Where do you come from? What do you like to do? Why are you choosing us? And then uh, this one was way more intense. So they called me on, like, the following week. And they're like, hey, we want to give you a second interview. But this time, we're going to make you with five people. And what do you mean? And I was like, what do you mean? It's going to be a panel. Uh, it's going to be a four-hour interview. And I was like, whoa, four hours? Like, damn, this is intense. And they're like, prepare a one-hour presentation with two projects that you've done, uh, technical. You know, they don't can't be any like, you know, technical. I mean, you know, you have to have some like analysis and math kind of stuff, science pretty much. Why you did this experiment or this 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 project, and um, and then uh, you're gonna have a 30-minute interview with all five of us individually. So it wasn't like 30 minutes and they're going to interview me all five at the same time. It was one guy at a time for 30 minutes. So if you think about it, that's two hours and a half of interviews plus your presentation. Um, and that was just your second round of interview. And I was like, whoa, I've never done this. This is super, super crazy. Uh, um, I'm kind of nervous because this is kind of legit. And this is not for an internship. It's an actual job. So I kind of really want to do this. And then the last part, they actually required me to have a essay. Um, write them an essay of why I wanted to join their company and like kind of like a it was kind of more personal you know like how I could contribute to the team and stuff like that so um, that was my Blue Origin interview it was pretty intense um, as always I felt like I could have done better you know at the end of it um, I kind of felt like oh man you know I missed that but I knew the answer and and again don't sweat it too much. Just kind of study a bit, uh, refresh on your fundamentals, because most of the questions they asked were a lot of fundamentals, but uh, also they want to see how you think um, and how you approach scenarios. So they would ask me like, it, it's kind of logical, but at the same time, you know, you have to kind of think if it's really logical to some people, because they would tell me like, hey, dude, well, you have a rocket. You know, this is the scenario they gave me. Um, you know, you realize. Uh, you know, everything's all assembled. It's about to shoot. You know, your managers are, you know, going to send it to launch in, in a month. Uh, you did your analysis and you realize it's a frequency that's off. Uh, 
you need to go inside and remove a bolt and weld it with something else that's much stronger because otherwise it's going to mess up. What do you do? It's going to cost you a lot of money and you guys are going to have to delay the launch by, by another, potentially another month or longer. Uh, but your managers need to launch this. What do you do? And again, as an engineer, you kind of have to make decisions of, you know, based off facts. And, uh, you know, if you think it's like I straight out said, well, it depends on the scenario. You know, I said, uh, if it's a safety concern, then it's a no go, no matter what it is, because this could potentially blow everything up and then that would just destroy the whole project. There'd be no point in launching it. If it's something that maybe uh, we can live with, you know, we'd have, I'd have to have an, you know, analysis done or data that can back it up and I show it to my manager and be like, Hey, look at this. Uh, you know, there's some risks associated with this, but it's going to cost us, you know, X amount of money plus time. And it's not really worth it. But if we shoot, we have, you know, 95% probability that it's still going to be successful. And if that's okay with them, then it's the manager or your management's call. Um, and if, if you deem something can be disastrous, you call it up as an engineer because at the end of the day, the number one priority would be safety. You know, you don't want to start sending stuff up or, you know, making things that are unsafe to public or just in general because no one's going to want to work with you at the end of the day if your project or your product doesn't work, you know, especially for safety or catastrophic failure and stuff like that. So um, uh, luckily, as soon as I got my interview, um, they called me right away. They offered me a position, and I was super ecstatic. It's in Seattle, which was a super big move. But uh, I keep telling everyone, it's kind of like a, my lottery ticket, you know. Like I, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Um, I couldn't say no. Um, I was getting interviews from other companies. Um, I had an interview from General Atomics, which is another aerospace company down in uh, San Diego, but they're stationed in a bunch of places. Unfortunately, um, these guys... Uh, they hit me up a week after I had accepted my Blue Origin position, and they were like, is this Edgar Giannis? And I'm like, yes, this is him. He's like, hey, uh, we've been trying to reach you, um, and we actually wanted to offer you the position here in San Diego. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, we accidentally offered it to another Edgar who interviewed on the same day as you, and we sent them the, the person the wrong email. So we actually felt super bad. And now that, you know, your, my manager actually really, really liked your interview and he wanted to, you know, offer you the position. I'm like, oh, man. So I'm like, you know, when it rains, it pours, you could say, <laughs> you know, uh, from zero positions or zero offers to uh, everyone kind of wanted my, my services. And unfortunately, I had said yes to Seattle. I probably would have stayed in San Diego, to be honest, just because all my family, uh, you know, I was, my rent is over there super cheap because uh, I lived on my own trailer and stuff, only paying about $700 in rent for a four-bedroom house, you know. So I was living pretty comfortable down there, which is why I was able also to manage with my other job at Home Depot for such a long time because my rent was super low compared to the national average and stuff. I think, you know, you're paying 2000 1500 yeah, for one bedroom. Yeah, rent's, rent's so ridiculous in California. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it uh, all, all those... All those things kind of factored in, you know, at the end of the day, it just, it worked out the way it was supposed to. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't say no to home or uh, Blue Origin once I made the commitment because I was talking to one of my coworkers from Home Depot, an older gentleman who worked there for 30 years. Um, but what was cool about him is he actually got his degree in biology. But it's a sad story with him. Super smart guy. 
he was kind of my mentor in, at Home Depot. I learned everything from him. One of those old cranky guys that you meet there, you know, that <laughs> makes his paint and what are you doing, young kids? You know, kind of like that. But he knows everything, right? Once you get to know him, he's the sweetest old man. You know, he's like your grandpa. Um, uh, he used to be in telemetry for the Air Force. So you tell me um, that he would be stationed in, in like the Philippines or some crazy islands and he would shoot rockets and then he would go and catch the payloads when they would arrive back. So it was kind of all like full circle. He said he wanted to do uh, aerospace. So like when he heard that I was graduating, he was like almost in tears, like you're living through me, Edgar. I'm so proud of you, you know? And I'm like, he's still one of my best friends. Um, I consider him one of my best friends. So um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 like I said, full circle to everything, dude. So amazing that's pretty cool and we're like yeah super proud of you and for you know getting those jobs and those interviews and i'm sure it was such a big relief like now it's, it's crazy how that little that's having that one experience opens so many doors and mm -hmm. yeah and i'm sure you'll see in the future with your experience at blue origin there'll be so many more doors opened and yeah and um so like so that leads me to like my next question is like what 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 are you looking forward to? Like, do you really um, want to build with Blue Origin? Do you, uh, or are yeah. you trying to, like, what are you excited about in the next, like, you know, years to come? So to be honest, man, um, Blue Origin compared to General Dynamics was a whole total 360 company because I felt General Dynamics was more of your legacy kind of company where they're old school. Everything's already kind of set in stone. So even though everything's set in stone and everything's, production ready in terms of like you know everything should be just rolling out it's super slow in terms of to do changes to do any like engineering approvals and drawings it has to go through a chain of command and sometimes just to get one signature it takes like about a week what i really like about blue origin is especially here in kent um there's three different sites this one right here is a research and development slash a little bit of manufacturing which is where i'm at you know i'm the manufacturing side so since we're in research and development, as an engineer, I have like so much freedom compared to my other job where I can make a change and I don't really have to check, um, have like permission from anyone. As long as I deem it's a good enough change and I have engineering reason to, you know, and, and as an engineer, that's kind of what your job is, you know, up to your discretion, uh, but also with factual scientific evidence and analysis of why, you know, supporting evidence essentially why you're making your change. And, um, you know, I do that all day and I don't really have to ask anyone and we don't have to wait for like a week. So it's pretty refreshing being able to do that. So I kind of really see myself um, initially what I really uh, what I really liked about uh, Blue Origin is um, for like every Monday while I, when I got hired, they were bringing in like 100 new people, 100 new people, 100 new people. So this company is like, expanding it's insane right now um i think we're still hiring a lot of people so you know you're gonna graduate um i would say just apply if you're already graduated apply as well and just keep applying because there's a lot of opportunity especially right now um to come in and um we're in a stage right now i feel like where spacex is kicking our butt but it's that's a good motivation to wear this <laughs> <laughs> it's um, but uh, it's a good motivation for us because um, we have to compete, you know, and if you don't have any competition, you don't really have any motivation, I would say, or, you know, motivate yourself a little bit slower. So 
everyone is, right now has the mentality of let's make this product, let's get it out. Uh, we want to see um, we want to see us fly. So that's kind of where I, I, I I'm at. I really want to see this, and I really want to stick for with Blue Origin for a while. Um, but it depends, to be honest, like on the management. If I don't see like them getting their stuff together, <laughs> you know, in terms of um, being able to integrate the whole product and getting us up there, I want to go to the most innovative uh, company. You know, like I, I want to see stuff uh, go to space pretty much. doesn't matter what company you are, but I want to see, I want to see myself make a difference in that. And uh, Blue Origin right now, like, like I said, I have faith in them that um that they can get their stuff together especially because of the, the parts that i own um all the turbo machinery i would say they call it the heart of the engine because you get um you know your fuel and you have your oxidizers and you literally pretty much pressurize them to the insane speeds and high temperatures and pressures and when they come out you know it comes out at such high thrust that you know it's what Essentially, without my part, uh, nothing can fly. And they call it the heart of the engine, which is pretty cool. Um, and uh, hopefully here, uh, I want to move higher up. So there's a big opportunity, especially right now in Blue Origin, since I feel like we're growing as a company um, for, for new engineers or engineers that haven't had experience to you know, go over there, show what they're made of and move up the ladder fairly quickly you know um, my manager actually just moved to a different position so we had an open position it just got filled by an interim manager and the manager that filled it up was like a level three uh engineer so you know uh, i'm a level one i've been there a year and i feel like i've gained a fair amount of knowledge to where my where my year review comes i'll probably ask for a level two uh, engineering position and all that entails is uh, you know, you have more knowledge of your product, you you can train others, you can, you know, you can speak to, you know, uh, you're a subject matter expert, essentially. Um, so uh, you can guide newer engineers. And um, since a lot of, uh, there's a lot of shifting going around, I've kind of had to drink from the higher fire hose, you could say, because, you know, I haven't had maybe mentors in my position because they left to become supervisors or other departments. Um, so I've had to learn on my own, which is another thing that you also have to keep in mind. It's um, always going to these new positions with an open mind. Don't expect to know everything. But again, it's about making bonds and relationships with people. I have a really good friend now that uh, we started together the same day. And he actually, uh, first job as well, uh, he graduated from LSU. So he just graduated this past year. Um, and uh, he, he was struggling like me, but now we're kind of, we're in the same program, the 3U program, and uh, we feel pretty connected. So like, you know, he hits me up for anything. I, I know kind of what he's talking about and vice versa. So we have a pretty good team. Yeah. <clears throat> That's good. It's important to have like bonds and like create friendships at work. Um, I, on the other hand, didn't have that much at my job. By the way, I quit my job. <laughs> If you don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because at the end of the day, you you have to have a job that you feel fulfilled in. And I feel like that job wasn't meeting my my needs or like it wasn't it wasn't making me happy. But nice. looks like you're happy. So that's good. Yeah. And uh, I, like I said, um, and Ricardo, you know, hit the, the nail right on the head is 
when you get a, a position like this um, offered to you, you can't say no because just putting it on your resume it will open so many doors for you, I believe, because um, it's it's one of the premier, you know, companies out there right now. Even in, even any startups, you know, like, like Relativity trying to shoot their 3D printer rocket yesterday. It keeps getting scrubbed. But, you know, um, what's cool about that is, like, you could be our competition, but I want to see everyone succeed at the end of the day. Because if you succeed, that's just going to push my company to go faster, you know, and not let, not let off the pedal. And uh, I think that's what you want to do as an engineer, um, you know, secretly you want to be the innovative one. You want to be the one that shoots things first or, you know, reaches new heights, you know, with new inventions and stuff. Um, and if you don't, then maybe you need to consider your degree as an engineer because um, that's kind of how I feel, you know. I was always curious about taking things apart and making new things and uh, math and science and stuff like that. Cool. Uh, sorry, I have one more question. Okay, yeah. um, so you moved out of, like, California where your whole family's from how did you cope with like moving into a new state on your own and um because I know for me when I was at my internships it was it was hard for me to leave you know because my family's here so I've always wanted a job that's close to home but you like moved like two two states away (laughs) so (laughs) well again it's just um I think it was more of a it was like a double-edged sword, you could say, because the same thing that was driving me to stay was the same thing that drove me to get out, you could say, because, you know, all my family is there. That's what you know. But at the same time, it was like my lottery ticket, like I mentioned earlier. So when you win the lottery, you only or you know, when you when you have that one chance, you're one in a 200 million or whatever, like you have to take it. So, again, I. Initially, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go to Blue Origin just because, uh, you know, they're going to give me that name brand that I could put on my resume. And then I'll, I'll just come back to California. Now that I came here and I see the, how the inner workings of this company, I'm kind of excited because, like, these guys have a pretty cool goal. Like, if it wasn't for that, maybe it would probably be more motivation for me to start, you know, looking for another job in California back again or something. Um but again, it was it was like like you said, it was that was the driving factor. Is just I have to I have to take it because if I don't take it, uh, I I don't know when when uh, I'll get this opportunity again. And again, maybe if I would have said no, uh, General Atomics would have hit me up the next week and I would have stayed in San Diego. But you you can't ever rely on stuff that you don't know. Like if I would have known that, then obviously I probably would have stayed in San Diego at General Atomics. And they're more of a legacy company, I would say. So it's more like general dynamics where everything's kind of set in stone. So I was even thinking about that. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I wouldn't be as happy because it would have been an integration engineer for an aerospace. So that wouldn't be Astro, which is outside in outer space. This would be like for a drone. And I'm like, you know what? I'm interested in like drones and jets and stuff like that. But space is much cooler. Don't ever <laughs> let anyone else tell you not. But um, um yeah, so like when I actually moved out here, it was difficult and it still is because uh, I'm kind of a particular case. I wouldn't say like maybe maybe some people can relate to me, um, but I know maybe more more people can't relate to me than they are. I kind of like to be alone. You know, I'm more of an introverted kind of person. 
I'm pretty extroverted when I get to meet you. So like, you know, if you're a really good friend like you guys, I'll I won't shut up. I keep talking and talking. You you're know? not an introvert. You know? But uh, yeah, exactly. I'm not right. <laughs> but to me, I consider myself like I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to meet new friends because I've already met too many people that you know they're all in California and I don't even hang out with them, which kind of makes me sad. So I'm like, I don't want to make new friendships and then they move away and then I get sad again. But um, again, if I meet you, then and you we vibe then i guess i i don't shut up <laughs> but uh what was what was kind of cool about being over here is it d- does give you a lot of uh a lot of time to yourself so you can do a lot of things that you want to do you know so i have a lot of time to work out something i didn't have over there i i would work out over there you know but you know with everyone around you sometimes get lazy since I don't have anyone over here to talk to, I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I guess I'm like in prison. Let's just work out, man. <laughs> you know, and um, it's, it's it's paying dividends. I feel stronger, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, also read a lot of books. So actually not going to school, I have free time to read like my manga and stuff. Uh, horror classics. Um, play video games. And um, what's cool is, uh, you know, I, go, I do go out with my coworkers. I try not to bug them a lot because I see them five days a week. So it'd be like, hey, dude, let's hang out Saturday and Sunday. You're going to see me seven days a week. So I, I try to give, again, like people space just because, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to hang out with myself every day, even though I already do. So, um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we, we actually went um, snowboarding for the first time. I had never actually seen snow because I'm from San Diego. So when does it snow? Oh, the year that I leave, right? Like last oh, year. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like kind of crazy, you know. I've never snowed in, in my entire existence, but the year, the first year I leave, uh, what are you guys doing in California, man? Blowing it up over there. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, that's another thing, you know. I actually saw snow for the first time, which is super cool. Um, and I went on a snowboard. I totally sucked. Totally different than skateboarding, which is what I do. You know, go from San Diego. That's what you know. There's no snow, so you just skateboard everywhere. But uh, uh, totally different. Um, but it was super fun, and I got to do that with my coworkers. Uh, I've explored the area, so I've gone to Mount Rainier, which I had never even known what the hell Mount Rainier was, uh, and I'm kind of scared now because I didn't realize that I'm living next to a volcano. So, oh, what? Yeah. And it's actually the biggest volcano in the west coast of the United States. Oh, is, uh, is it still like? Um, it's, it's, I think it's dormant right now, but I think it's active where it can potentially explode. And I was, and, and because, you know, I didn't know about this and I freaked out, I'm like doing all kinds of research. So then um, I guess it, it can be pretty dangerous if it's a massive explosion, it can actually reach up to where I live. And the only actual area in Seattle that would be safe would be like downtown Seattle. But everything else would be like pretty much overflowed with lava because it, it's, it's such a huge mountain. Um, so I, I got a, like an annual pass to go whenever I want. It's quite a drive, but it's beautiful. So if you guys ever come up here and you guys want to go up there, um, instead of paying, you know, the $40 day trip, uh, I decided to just buy the pass for 50 bucks and you could go there and limit it throughout the year. So it's pretty cool. Um, And, and what I do like, and I I guess I do really appreciate, like I was saying earlier, it's just, I used to live in trailers and apartments for such a long time that now just driving here on the freeway, it's, it's pretty, pretty nice. Like it's beautiful. Yeah. I'm driving in the middle of trees and, um, in, uh, Cal Poly, it was kind of similar. You could say is, you know, a little bit more 
more more tree-ish farmish land but uh san diego is totally different literally you drive on the freeway and you see houses concrete you know so just seeing all these like christmas trees um uh, driving through the snow uh, it rains a lot but it's it's pretty cool it's pretty cool <laughs> yeah that reminds me of another another story we had when um because you know, I'm from the area, so it was all—it's all pretty familiar to me. It's all like agriculture. Or there's a beach, yeah. and some hillside mountains, and uh, you know, getting to learn uh, people at Cal Poly—they're from a city. I'm like, well, what's a city? I'm like, yeah. you know, I don't have an idea of people actually like living in a city and not really getting out of it. Yeah, I think I, I asked you one time if you needed to change your oil. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, I just come to this little like farm town. And it's like, don't worry. You just take, you just take a left, a left, and a right, and, and you'll be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that was an experience for you. Yeah, definitely, dude. <laughs> um, how how was your experience? Because you went to LA too, right? So you went from farm boy to big city, man. So how, yeah, how was that experience, man. Uh, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely different because there's a lot more things to do in the city. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's you can go downtown and. Uh, definitely see all these different cultures. I know where I'm in this area, it's usually, you know, just Hispanic or um, like white. It's in the area. It's really common. But going to the city, you see all these different cultures. There's like uh, Little Tokyo, Chinatown. There's Koreatown. Yeah, there's so many fun things to do. And I think that's what I really appreciate about the city. But it is kind of fast for me. Super there's fast pace, right? Yeah, it's yeah. super fast pace, and it's like, man, it's and then you have to like plan your day out where it's gonna take me an hour to go from like <laughs> yeah. one place to yeah. another, and then you have it's just a lot more planning so, versus once, once you well once you become a local, I feel dude that you learn the secret passageways, dude. So like that one hour drive that it takes like people that are not locals, you could shave it down in, like twenty minutes, dude. But you'd have to live there for like five years or something, you know, to, to, to be really able to do that kind of job. When I went to but, San Luis Obispo, dude, the book really got me was um, um, that there was, like, nothing bigger than, like, a three-story building or something, dude. <laughs> what the hell? And I'm used to, like, skyscrapers, you know? You go to L.A. or S.D., and uh, it's downtown is, like, downtown. <laughs> it's a big old skyscraper or, you know, big old building. So I was kind of like, where am I? Why did I pick San Luis Obispo, man? But I'm glad I did <laughs> yeah that's super fun yeah. but um yeah so just one more question before you head out and i think it's uh one that might reflect back this kind of like what advice would you give your younger self now that you know now that you are where you are do you have if you can reach out to someone that has a similar background and just tell them one thing um to be honest man i don't think i would change anything in the world dude to be honest because uh you know i met all you guys uh, all my connections all my friendships uh I'm where I want to be. I feel really comfortable, dude, for the first time I could say in my life that uh, I'm kind of stress-free, which is really cool. You know, before is when you're poor, you're like, what the hell? And I'm not saying I'm like rich right now or anything like that, but like I have a good amount of money where I'm not really worried about it, you know? And if something does happen, I'm like, okay, I have I have money backed up. You know, before I'm like, shit, man, I might not be able to get it or something, you know, or I might have to work overtime or something. But um, what I would tell myself, the only real thing I would tell myself, to be honest, is uh, if I could go back in time is um, ask questions, especially if you're nervous about them, because you're not the first person to have these questions and you're not going to be the last person. 
And I guarantee you that someone has already been through this so they can guide you the right way. And um, once you once you make a choice, like really stick to it. You know, if you, if you want to go for school, focus on school. You know, there's going to be a lot of parties and all of friends, uh, a lot of bad friendships, a lot of good friendships, um, a lot of bad influences and a lot of good influence. So you have to, it's up to you to really make that choice at the end of the day. Like no one's really going to be responsible for like your choices, but what you do have control over is what you focus on. So if you, if you want to go for school and that's what you really want to do is like really focus on that. And when you really do focus on it, you're going to find that you're going to finish really quick. Um, you know, you're going to reach your goals faster than you were expecting. And then before you know it, you're going to reach that goal and you're going to have your degree. You know, if you don't want to go for school, there's nothing wrong with that either. You know, I have plenty of friends who are in culinary arts. You know, they became chefs, uh, became probation officers and are moving up the ladder. You know, my brother didn't go to school. He's, um, I'm pretty proud of him, too. He, he, he was never really into school just because he was kind of, you know, one of those uh, bad kids, I guess, but, you know, now he's a probation officer and he's moving up the ranks. So, you know, it's just about focus. If you really want to reach your goal, if you really want to reach uh, a dream of yours, uh, it's focus on that. And like I said, the other one was just, uh, just ask questions to, to everyone and anyone. Don't be scared. Uh, I know you are, but at the end of the day, if you're scared, you're never going to know the answer, you know, just jump. It's a leap of faith. <laughs> Assassin's Creed style. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I think those are all the questions. We thank you, Edgar, for sharing your story. It's very inspiring, and you know, I'm sure it'll motivate some people to rethink of like their goals and their dreams. That it's never too late to go back to school, or never too late to pursue your dreams. Um, and you're a good example of that. So, props to you, and we're proud of you. Thanks. <laughs> Well, yeah, we'll have again, to... go ahead, Ricardo. Yeah, we'll have to go up and visit you, and then you have to come down and visit us too. So. Yeah, definitely, dude. Definitely. There's uh, not but... much here, but. <laughs> uh, you guys are still in slow, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. But I uh, just wanted to say thanks for having me on your first podcast, your first live, uh, you know, visual and, you know, audio. <laughs> So I uh, really appreciate that. It's an honor, like I said. And um, yeah, hopefully you guys have success in this. And uh, shoot me the link. I subscribe. And everyone else on this channel, subscribe, you know, Brood Minds. <laughs> yeah, go. thanks, Edgar. Yeah. And we really appreciate you taking the time out of your weekend just to share your story. It's, again, very inspiring and pretty amazing what you're doing. And, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I'm a bad